Let's stand together and let's look at uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 16. As you came in the doors, you should have got uh, one of the communion cups. If you didn't get one, please raise your hand right now. The ushers will bring one down to you. I see a few hands down here in the front, gentlemen. Uh, if you'd bring those down and take a look for folks, that'd be helpful. 2 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 9. Talking about being wholeheartedly committed to Christ. Listen to what it says. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. Father, I pray you would awaken us to the spiritual battle of the day. Let us see what's going on. Let us see the spiritual conflict that would even struggle in our own souls about right and wrong. Father, we know we can't trust our heart. Uh, We can't believe what our heart says. We have to believe what your word says. And so we pray you let us believe your word, stand strong in your word. For, Father, your word is always true. Guide us in this day, direct us in this day, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It's really good to see you today. I hope you're taking time to get to know others around you. I I want to encourage you to get into a C2 group where you can really build some great relationships. You'll meet some wonderful, wonderful people. God promises, we just read this, God promises his strong support for those whose hearts are wholehearted towards him where he is first, where they trust him, where they put their confidence in him. We've been talking about our love for God. I've been asking you to, in your prayer time, to weigh out, to ask God to show you the measure of your personal love towards God. How uh, attached him, how, how committed to him you are. To ask yourself, what pressure could the world put on you to deny the ways of God, to go a different way instead of God's way, to surrender to the world's way or an easier way than to say, I'm going to trust God? That is really the measure of of your love. The I will follow you in everything up until this point. And then I'm going to figure it out, go it on my own, or give in to what society says. Here's the warning. The enemy won't always tempt us to totally walk away from God. No, it's good enough for him to just offer you compromise positions. Places where you just surrender a little bit of territory to the enemy. Some place where you go your own way instead of trusting him and going his way. And at that point, you are not wholly, wholeheartedly committed to the way of Christ. This is what has happened to Asa, and he takes the bait. Let me give you a picture uh, of the times and tell you this story. Asa is the great-grandson of Solomon. He would become king of Israel, or king of Judah, around 900 years before Jesus was born. God's plan for Israel is very clear. He wants to raise Israel up as a shining light 
to the world of his glory, of his blessing, of his wisdom, so that the world will be drawn to him and the world will see the glory and the wisdom of God's ways. And for a short time, Israel had become that. For a short time, the eyes of the world had turned uh, towards them and Solomon had led them in this great time of blessing and prosperity. However, Solomon, with all of his wisdom, had come to one point where he disobeyed God. He married women from other countries in treaties with those countries to try to produce peace, and they brought with them the foreign idols and gods and lifestyles of those countries. They're man-made idols. Their ways of life now come into Israel with them, and Solomon allows it. He allows that to take place. And before long, what has happened is the idols, the false altars, literally fill Jerusalem. They spread throughout the country. Uh, the, the years of the glory of God being with them become corrupted. Many of the festivals and celebrations that are supposed to remind them of God's blessing are forgotten. The standards of God's morality becomes forgotten. They give in to the lust of the flesh and the corruption of these idols to the point that shortly after the end of Solomon's life, very, very shortly, the kingdom is divided between the two, between the, between the tribes. Ten tribes go to the north, two to the south, Judah and Benjamin, and we now have this divided country. The north will, will, will almost immediately completely surrender to idolatry. They will, the, the leader there chases even the, the Levites who are true to the word of God and true, those who are true to their commitment to God, chases them out of the country. He now appoints his own priests and his whole own leaders. They can become a priest or a leader if they pay a certain amount of money or a certain amount of goods. And idolatry really sweeps through the northern kingdoms. Solomon's son gets a grip, Rehoboam gets a grip on the southern kingdom, but as he gets this grip and he has growing power in the southern kingdom with Judah and Benjamin, pride begins to come into his heart. This is one of the dangers of success. He begins to get prideful, begins to think it's something he's, this is of his own doing. And he gives in to the ways of Solomon. And now the ways of Solomon and his, and his wives uh, become prevalent even in Judah. His son that follows him, follows Rehoboam, has a, a short moment shining in the light, but is basically recognized in the word as a man of wickedness. And then comes Asa. And for some reason, 
The Bible doesn't really make it really clear to us. But for some reason, Asa starts his reign doing what is right. He, he clears out the, the altars and the idols and the things that are in Jerusalem. He move, removes the foreign altars and idols. And Asa commands the people to seek the Lord of their fathers, to obey his laws and commands. And because he does that, the Bible says, God blesses Judah. There's now a time of peace, 10 years of prosperity. There are no wars. God has put his hand of blessing upon Judah. But then unexpectedly, suddenly, an an army vastly larger than anything Asa could assemble comes to take what they have been blessed with, comes to conquer them and to rule them, Uh, the numbers and the power that they bring against Judah are overwhelming. It, It seems like all is lost. Judah goes out to fight them, but they are vastly, vastly outnumbered. The enemy takes a group of men and circles around behind them, so now they've got enemies behind them and enemies in front of them. They are absolutely overwhelmed by the power that's coming against them. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt circumstances in your life that seem absolutely overwhelming? Situations that on the, on the front of them are hopeless. That things seem dug in and that it seems like it's all settled. You can't see change in the future. You can't imagine what it would be like to have victory. Well, friends, if you haven't been there, if you'll open your eyes, you'll begin to see places like that. And instead of just saying, oh, this is the way it is, which is what the enemy wants us to do, he just wants us to surrender to his power and surrender to what he's doing. He doesn't even want us to recognize what he's doing. He doesn't want us to see it as the spiritual force of the enemy. But if you will see the situation, maybe in your life or your family or your country, and I will tell you there's probably situations like that in your life, in your family, and in your country, if you just see them. When you see them, the reason we become kind of numb to them is we we come to this place where we recognize we can't do anything about that anyway. I don't have any power to change that. I'm either going to really wreck this thing and really be in trouble or I'm going to learn how to get along. And you come to this point of just kind of giving in to it and accepting it for what it is. But here with Asa, we get a different picture. Asa didn't have that freedom because he wasn't going to get to live with it. He's going to have to die by it. And it says in chapter 14, it says, And Asa cried out to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Did you get that? There's none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. He says, help us, O Lord, for we rely on you. 
and in your name we have come against this multitude. Oh Lord, you are our God. Let, no, let not man prevail against you. In this moment of hopelessness, in this moment where everything seems lost, in this moment where there's no way they can win on their own, Asa does the right thing. He cries out to God, and he cries out with this truth, God, I understand, you are the one who helps the weak against the mighty. They have come to take what they shouldn't be allowed to take. Now, God, come and help us to prevail against this multitude. Asa prayed, and listen, so can you. So can you. Your situation may seem like there's no way it'll ever change. That family member who's trapped in whatever they're trapped in may seem like it's just out there, they're never going to change. That lost friend, that lost loved one may, be, may, may seem so overwhelmed in the darkness that they're never going to get it. Their eyes are never going to be. The enemy has lied to them so thoroughly and so completely that they can't even see the light of the gospel. They don't even know they're blind. They think they can see. We may stand against the, the pressures of a culture that push against the transcendent moral values that God has established for us, and they say they are transcendent to God. And it can seem absolutely overwhelming. The circumstances with Asa demanded wholehearted commitment to God. And I'm telling you, our circumstances today demand wholehearted commitment to God. The Lord then came and fought for them and they won a great victory and they plundered the enemy, the Bible says. I love it when God plunders the enemy. Amen? When we begin to understand that people are not the enemy, the people around us, even that support the pressures of the day, the loved ones that we love that are far from God, they're not the enemy. There's a spiritual force. Our battle is against powers and principalities when we begin to really get that understand it and understand that we can't beat that enemy on our own but God supports the weak against the mighty and he can plunder the enemy now <coughs> they leave this battle excuse me they leave this battle and they head back to Jerusalem with all their plunder with them and as they get back to Jerusalem uh, as they just about to get to the city, in verse chapter 15, it says, The Spirit of God came upon Azariah, the son of o Odeb. And he went out to meet Asa, and he said to him, this, this prophet of God, he says to him, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin, all this, all this army. He says, Hear me. <clears throat> now listen to this. The Lord is with you while you are with him. That's a great promise. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. For a long time, Israel was without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law. He's, he's referring back from the times of Solomon 
through Rehoboam, through Asa's father. And he's saying, listen, it's been a long time since the truth has been here. But when, in their, but, in, but when in their distress they turned to the Lord, the God of Israel, and sought him, he was found by them. In those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in, for a great disturbance afflicted all the inhabitants of the lands. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation, and city by city, for God troubled them with every sort of distress. But you, take courage. Don't let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. Now, what do we learn about God in these overwhelming moments of life? In these overwhelming moments of life, God wants us to understand this. Whatever you're facing today, whatever circumstance it may be, whatever God springs to your mind to show you that this is the spiritual battle that you're in, he says this, first of all, I'm with you. The Lord is with us. He tells us, secondly, if you seek me, he says, he will be found by you. You cry out to me. And he, he points back to these, to Solomon and Rehoboam and Rehoboam's son and times that even though they had moved in wickedness, when some overwhelming distressful thing happened, when armies came against them or enemies came against them, when they cried out to God, he delivered them. Now they didn't take it and stick with it. But he says, see, I was with them. I listened when they cried out to me. But when you forsake me, then I turn for you, from you. God is asking for a wholehearted commitment to him in all of his ways. Now, what are the signs that the blessing of God is missing? It's an interesting story. When you read about Eli and his sons when they're at Shiloh, and, and the, the ark is the, 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 the ark of the, of, the, of the tabernacle is there, and this is the place where the presence of God was supposed to be. And if you read those first couple chapters of Samuel, God is speaking to Eli because his sons are extremely wicked. They're extremely wicked. And he warns them that judgment is coming because of their wickedness, because of what they're doing. They're doing some horrendous things. And finally, a a battle comes with the Philistines. And the first portion of the battle, they're defeated, and they say, you know what? We need God to be with us. So they go back to Shiloh, and they get the ark, and they bring it out to the battlefield. And they get it out to the battlefield, and guess what happens? They get defeated again. And the Bible tells us that they weren't even aware that the presence of God had lifted from them because of their sin. And they were caught in the weakness of being without God. How do we know that the presence of God is with us as individuals, as a body of believers? Since the days of Solomon, 
Israel has been denying God. They have been without God. His presence hasn't been heavily upon them. He's come to the rescue a few times, but they've continued to reject him. Here's, here's what we're learning. God's presence wasn't known to them. They didn't, they didn't know his presence. They weren't aware of life with him and life without him. They didn't know the difference. Do you? Do you in your life, do you know the difference? Do you sense, are you aware of the difference when, when God is pleased with you, when his presence is with you, when his strength is upon you, when his joy is resonating in your spirit in spite of everything that's going on? When God's giving you a spirit of love and peace, even in the middle of the turmoil? Or has life just become this thing that you're doing it on your own? This is why this appointment with God is so important. Because as you keep that time with God, personally seeking him, personally crying out to him, it won't be long until his presence will begin to become alive. You'll find in your life, you'll find in your life times when you should be worried when you're not. You'll find in your life times when when you would normally be filled with fear and anxiety and you're not. You'll find in your life times when your flesh would have been tempted towards hatred, where, where love is still there. You'll find the joy and the strength of God strengthening your spirit, moving in your life. Listen, you don't want to be confused about being with or without God. You don't want to be in this place where it's all on the same level playing field. I'm with God, I'm without God, it all feels the same. You want to know. You want to be aware of the presence of God in your life. This is why we're calling you to join us in these couple of weeks to pray for our nation. Our nation has forgot what it's like to have God amongst them. Our nation has forgotten what it's like to sense his presence moving in their life. They've gone their own way. And friend, the only hope is for the church to pray for an outpouring of God's spirit. Asa knew what to do. He knew, he knew, I better pray. If I don't have God, I'm a dead man. And friends, if we don't pray, you know, our country's lost, our families are lost. Do you have the presence of God? Now, part of that came because they were without the knowledge of the word. He says it was without teaching and without the law. As these foreign gods came in, friends, the, the, the enemy is never comfortable to live side by side with God's people. He always wants to silence God's people. He always wants to shut down the word of God. He always wants to shut down the teaching of God. He wants us to be afraid to say the truth and to walk in the truth. He wants us to give in ignorantly to the will of the enemy. He wants to seduce our thinking. He wants to seduce our hearts. And the best way he can do that is to silence the word of God from coming into our life, to keep us from reading the word, to keep us from knowing the word, to keep us from desiring to live in obedience to the word so that in our ignorance we just follow whatever's going on and whatever feels good to our heart that day. 
And that's what's happened in Israel. They have turned from the word, the, the festivals, the, the, the celebrations they're supposed to have to remind them of the greatness of God. All of that has been shut down. The places where the word of God was supposed to be annually read to them and lifted up to them, the priests that were supposed to be in their communities teaching them, all of that has been shut down. There's very little of it going on anymore, and they're ignorant of the word of God, which will continue to be a problem for them all the way up until the days of Josiah. Several kings later. The enemy always wants to corrupt what God has promised. He always wants to rob it from us. So he tells us what's happening. That their hearts had no peace. There was worry and fear, trying to appease, appease foreign idols to get their way there was fear there was no peace no peace in relationships no peace among the people trouble among the people it says there was trouble everywhere nothing went smoothly there was trouble between groups there were troubles between cities there were troubles between the the, the tribal groups and and the way they saw each other. And right now, they're in the middle of it. There's trouble between them and Israel, the other tribes. There's trouble between them and the others around them. There's trouble everywhere. There's trouble in their hearts. The people were against one another. There were factions. They were in pieces. They fought against each other. They argued with each other. And God troubled them with every sort of distress. Does that sound familiar to anybody but me? Does it sound like our world that we're living in today? Where there's no peace? Where there's factions and troubles? Where it's obvious somebody's lying? Somebody's not telling the truth? And people can't seem to work our way through it in unity? We're divided over who's telling the truth? This is what happens when we turn from God's transcendent wisdom as we lose the presence of God to guide us, the revelation of God to teach us, the, the insight of God to inspire us. Second Chronicles 15 says, he says this to him, but you take courage, do not let your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. He says to Asa, go after this, you started it. For 10 years you've been under blessing, I've just shown you a great victory over an enemy. Don't give up on this. Take courage, people of Benjamin, people of, of Judah. Take courage. Don't be weak. Do the work that you're called to do. We're always called to work to get the reward. If we want the blessing of God, we've got to work for it. We can't just glide along with the flow. We've got to go to work for it. Asa did just that. He took courage. He pushed his reforms forward with great force, the Bible says, and soon called all Israel to come together to worship God. And they came from both kingdoms. And for the next 25 years, there was no war. Peace reigned. At the end, middle of verse of chapter 16, Asa's made a compromise. Instead of looking to God for a victory over an enemy, because Israel, the king of Israel, kind of gets ticked off 
at Asa. He decides to stop allowing the people to go there to worship God. He decides to try to stop all the economic transfer that's happening between the ten tribes of the north and the tribes of the south. He's trying to put Asa under his power. And Asa, instead of turning to God, makes a treaty with another king. And it's in this point that the prophet says to him, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. For from now on, you will have wars. Because you didn't trust in God. Because you didn't put your whole faith in him. Because you didn't trust him in every element of things. He tells him the army that God defeated before you before was much larger than the army that that the ten tribes were bringing against you. This was a small army, but you, instead of trusting me, you went and got help someplace else. And because of it, trouble's going to be in your life because you didn't trust me. It's this call. Are we going to trust God? Are we going to believe him? Let's stand together today and let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for your goodness. I, I pray you'd let us know and sense whether your presence is with us in our life. Are we turning to you? Are we trying to use our own power, our own forces, or the influence of others in some way to accomplish what we should accomplish by trusting you. Let us see the overwhelming forces that are against us. And let us understand you're the only one that can really set us free. Don't let us be foolish enough to think we can do this on our own. For even when we win on our own, we don't win with your presence. And trouble remains upon us. Today, Father, we pray you'd speak to us and guide us. And I pray that, Father, if there's any of us in this room who doesn't have wholehearted commitment to you, that today, Lord, we would make wholehearted commitment to you. In Jesus' name. God bless you. I love you. Go in the name of the Lord today.